Welcome to the No Problem Parenting Podcast. Hey there, parents. Did you know there's a way to transform your kid's behavior? That's right. I'm a parenting coach and strategist, and we're going to seek first to understand why your kids are behaving the way they are so we can really go deeper with your own behaviors and what is happening in your relationship with your kiddos from the inside out to take the actions and steps necessary to problem solve and transform your parenting so that you can become the confident leader your kids crave you to be. I promise you there is a solution for your parenting problems. Hey there, I'm Jackie Finneman, and after 30 years and more than 50,000 hours of working with countless kids and families, ranging from the severe behaviors that required out-of-home placement to the, ah, she just doesn't listen to me anymore behaviors, there is a solution when you, the parent, feel confident, when you don't feel the need to rescue your kids and you aren't losing your cool and yelling all the time, your kid's behavior improves and your kids trust you. They trust that no matter what they're going through, you are going to help them get through it. No Problem Parenting supports and teaches parents how to be the best leader and advocate for your child. If you feel like no matter how nice you are or how strict you are, your kiddos are still struggling, it's time to get off the struggle bus and become the confident leader your kids crave you to be. Join me on this journey of behavioral strategies and resources so that you can feel empowered as a parent again and turn your everyday parenting problems into no problem. Hey, welcome back, No Problem Parents. Did you know that words are only 7% of our communication? That's right. The rest is our body language, voice, facial expressions, and other nonverbal means. NLP, or Neuro Linguistic Programming Training, is not only going to help you understand language, it gives you mastery so that you can manage any conversation and conflict with ease and grace. It's not called the language of influence for nothing, and today my guest, Dr. Maisha Claiborne, an integrative physician, master coach, and trainer of Neuro Linguistic Programming, hypnosis and timeline therapy, and the founder of Mind Remapping Company. She's going to share with us how to eliminate negative thinking, faulty beliefs, and ineffective behaviors so that we can be trauma responsive in our communications and our interactions with others, especially our kids. The timing of having Dr. Maisha on the show is uh, extra special as we're sharing 60 ways to respond to our kids without losing our cool which you can be following those episodes on Thursdays. We're doing part five uh, in just a couple of days. So I'm excited to welcome you to the show. Welcome, Dr. Maisha. Thank you, Jackie. It's so good to be here. I'm very excited for this conversation. Me too, because trauma, thank goodness that we're recognizing trauma. We're using the word, we're talking about it. So I thought I'm going to bring you on today because I know you're the you're really the master at defining and distinguishing what trauma is. So why don't you... Fill us in a little bit. Sure. And I appreciate this question because I think that when people think of trauma, they think of the big things. They think of, you know, war and like big accidents and they think of a lot of the big things. And and number one, it's important to understand is that trauma is not an event itself. It's our body's response to the happenings that happen in our lives. So it may be that there is a big happening. There is a big sort of traumatic inducing event. And it may be multiple repetitive intensities or multiple repetitive or ongoing stress that creates the body's response called trauma. And 
it is our body's way of letting us know or trying to prevent further harm or mm-hmm. letting our bot letting us know that our body's in danger. And so when I talk about trauma, I like to talk about the brain because, well, you know, I'm a, I'm mm. a brainiac a little bit here. So I'm going to geek out a little bit if you don't mind. Oh, I love it. <laughs> so we have these parts of the brain and, you know, we have this, this amygdala and our amygdala is always scanning for threat. It's like the threat detection. So it's like, zoom, zoom. and then you have like our, um, our library. So it's, that's our hippocampus and hippocampus is all the holds the memories. And so it's scanning and it's comparing to past events. Like, oh, is this similar to this when I was in danger or when is it similar to this? That was a threat. And then you have like our prefrontal cortex or the frontal part of our brain, which is our decision maker. And so generally speaking, these three parts of the brain work together. And when you're going through life, you know, everything's being compared and then the decisions made. But if, if the amygdala detects threat, whether it be physical, emotional, mental, social threat, then it takes over and blocks out our decision maker and takes you straight into instinct mode. And then you have this flight, fight, freeze. Uh, There's like multiple fawn, fatigue, all of the, any, any one or multiple responses that you can have to be able to protect you from further threat or harm. And that's the essence of, of, of trauma. I love the way that you broke that all down, the amygdala, the hippocampus, and the prefrontal cortex. I share that in my No Problem Parenting briefly in yes. my No Problem Parenting training um, so that parents can have an understanding. I like the way you broke that down. Let's talk a little bit about what are some of the ways that our body, our brain, um, whether it's our heart brain or our mind brain, right? How does that look? How does that protection look? Fight, flight, or freeze? Well, that's different for different people. Yes. Um, and it looks very different. Yes. So, you know, it's interesting because what, back in back in the day, I, I, it's so funny. I When I hear myself say that, I'm like, oh, man, am I that age now? Oh, yeah, me too, right? <laughs> 30 years later into the job right. and you're like, oh, how'd that, where'd, back where'd time go? Yeah. <laughs> So back back in the day when when I first started learning, we you know as a as a as an early career physician as a medical student when they talk about trauma they talk about fight or flight when they talk about the the what we call the sympathetic response or the body's response to trauma they talk about fight or flight. I never connected to either of those because I'm not a person who confronts. So if you're you're a fight person, you confront the threat threat head on. Mm-hmm. Like you're like the bull. You 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 go into fight mode. You go into aggressive mode. You know confrontation. That's what the fight piece looks like. And if you're a flight person or a fleer, then you run away from the threat. So all of this is protecting yourself, right? You run away. So it's avoiding, it's, you know, walking out the room. It's like avoiding people's calls. It's, you know, it's that avoid, ignoring. So that's sort of the, that could be the the flight or the, and then there, so I didn't connect to any of those. I was like, well, I'm not a flight and I'm not a, but then they came out with freeze. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, so that's the deer in the headlights person. That's the person when, you know, you're asked the question and your, your palms may get sweaty and you just freeze. You just like, it's like what the deer do mm-hmm. <laughs> <Right>? Yeah, <laughs> in totally order to deer. block out the threat. It's like mm-hmm. you're blocking out the threat. Then there is the faint response and the faint or sometimes called fatigue response 
is it's a pass out response. It's like the body gets overloaded and it's, it's, it's overwhelmed and then it shuts down completely. I don't think that a lot of people associate that with trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I'll tell you a, a super quick story. When I was in residency and I, when we're, when you're after you graduate from medical school and you go into residency, that's like you're training for whatever specialty you're going to go into. And for me, it's family, it was family medicine. Uh, and we have to do these different rotations in different specialties. So I was doing a rotation in the emergency room and a, a patient um, who was a, a psychiatric patient with a mental disorder, like started to scream and bang on the window and um, apparently got out of their room. And in that moment, I almost passed out. Like I, we call vasovagal. Like I saw the the stars and then the fade to black. And that was my trauma response. It is an actual mm. trauma response. And I didn't understand that at the time, but like looking back, I'm like, oh yeah, that is a particular body's way of, it's almost like possum, mm. like possum, what the possums do. Mm. And then you have the, what we call, it used to be called fawn, but now it's called feign, F-E-I-G-N, which is the appease response. That is the tend to befriend. That is when if you're if you're detecting threat that you try to 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 befriend your threatener. So that's where the people pleasing comes in. That's where negotiation comes in. Right? It is a automatic response. And I think what's interesting for or what's important for people to understand is that these are not necessarily things that you choose. These are involuntary responses. They automatically happen and you can be one, both, it, whatever different context may produce different responses. So you're not going to always be the confronter or always be the fainter or always mm-hmm. be the freezer. It really sort of like happens to d- depend on the context that you're in. It's not always super visible, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. Obviously, if you've got a fighter, you're seeing that that's a little bit more visible. If you've got a fleer, or, you know, somebody in flight mode, they're taking off the kids or running across the street, not even paying attention to what, you know, just out the door. So those are a little bit more visible, but the freeze, the feign, mm-hmm. and faint. The fatigue slash faint response, you don't always hear about that one. For those that haven't heard of neuro-linguistic programming, that is one of your specialties and you're actually, you actually certify people to become practitioners. So neuro-linguistic programming is the way we use our language, spoken and unspoken, to reprogram our our thoughts, beliefs, behaviors. And there are language patterns and there are techniques. And I, I, you know, I, I, when I talk about this work, especially in this particular context, I love to talk about how I use this work with my son. So there, there are like these different language patterns. You know, first of all, what I'll say is this. I don't know if most people know this, but words are only 7% of communication. The other 93% of our communication is everything else. Facial expressions, body language, tone of voice, like all of these intangibles. And so... It's it's useful to understand that because when we talk about this this field or this 
methodology of neuro-linguistic programming. We teach all of how to master all of the levels of language, how to utilize that 7% in a way that is helpful and effective. And by the way, most people don't think about listening as a form of communication. Mm. And listening is the most important form of communication because the listening drives our response. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And I think that that's the piece that when we start to get, we start to think about this through a a trauma-informed lens as well. And we think about what is the lens through which we're listening are we listening through our own trauma lens? When we talk mm-hmm. about, you know, I know we're getting to that. I might be jumping ahead a little bit, but we, when we talk about listening and the language that we use with ourselves and the language that we use out loud, and oftentimes we don't listen to the words that we're speaking our in, in general. We just blah, blah. And so neuro-linguistic programming gives us a framework in which to reframe our listening, expand our listening, to remap our language, the language that we speak to ourselves in our head so that we reframe the language that is coming out of our mouth. That's the language part of it. Then there are the techniques in which we can use our body's intelligence, our nonverbal communication to be able to shift emotional experience, to be able to help regulate ourselves, to be able to shift the type of decision-making that we are already doing that may be ineffective, like our Mm -hmm. snap decision-making judgments. And so that's the other side of it is what are these sort of quick techniques? And I'll give you an example of one in particular. I was just going to ask you for one. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. So my, so I'll give you an example of one that I use for myself and one that I use for my son. So for myself, I love to use anchoring. And anchoring is just basically stimulus response. So connecting um, one thing in the world to another thing in the world and connecting it into yourself and your own nervous system and neurology. So I like to use music as an anchor and I use it for myself and I use it for my son. So when I'm feeling a little amped up or feeling a little overwhelmed, and especially at at the end of a day where I've been talking, 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 so I'm feeling overstimulated. I have a very specific album that I play. Hmm. And it's a, it's by, it's a, it's a a group called Moonchild and it's very soothing. And, you know, so whenever that comes on, I automatically, my body, so that's an anchor that I use to bring myself down. And so much so that now when I put this on my son, knows what I'm doing. Oh, that's cool. So it's a nonverbal communication that mommy's overstimulated and I need to calm down. I call it my calm down music, you know? Mm -hmm. And so one thing that I use with him, I actually installed a physical anchor for him when during the pandemic, he entered kindergarten during the pandemic and he was online. And this is the first time they were doing any kind of testing. And so there was, you know, testing coming up and he was aware of this. And, and, and he told me, mommy, I'm nervous about the testing. And so he had a little space down in our, in our uh, main room. And, uh, and so I, I took a chair and I, and I, I asked him, how do you want to feel instead? And say, I want to feel, I want to feel brave. I want to feel focused. I'm going to feel, I said, okay, brave and focused. And so who's a character that, you know, that is brave and focused. And at the time he was really into um, Avatar. 
Mm, So he named Aang from Avatar. So what I did was I took him through a process that allowed him to embody the, the courage and the focus and the discipline of Aang by having him look at the chair, visualize Aang in the chair, visualize all the qualities, and then sit and occupy the chair, allowing those qualities to come Mm -hmm. into him. That's really cool. And it was very cool. I actually made a video. (laughs) I made a video of it. It's somewhere on my YouTube, I'm sure. But it was very cool to watch. And he did really well on the test and he felt very confident. So that's just one example of a, a, a way to be creative with an anchor. And I use music also with my son or really for him, it's more podcast. So there are certain, he loves podcasts. And if he's oh, like, that's fun. Just turned nine a few weeks ago. And he'll say, mommy, I'm feeling kind of, can we listen to a podcast? That's so cool that he's listening to podcasts. I love it. One of the words you used is you said, so what you installed in your yes. son. So let's talk about what does that mean? It just means to uh to 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 shift to remove the negative experience and to create the experience the positive experience inside of someone else so inside in this case inside of my son i've installed anchors with myself like create the 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 positive experience with myself right one time i installed what's called a calm button which just means i linked a memory a positive memory to a physical stimulus for on my son. And I called it the calm button. So when he's going to school, when he was going to school, when they first went back after COVID, he was a little nervous. So I said, let's do a calm button. And and we uh, recalled laughing out loud, you know, something that was really funny when he felt loved, when he felt confident, I had him to recall these memories. Like when was the time that you felt like that mommy really, really loved you and, and go back and remember that time. And then I'm, as I'm, and see, you can see the expression on their face when they're there. And at that peak of that time, when they're experiencing it, just creating a physical stimulus that then they can go back and touch when they feel that. So what the listeners can't see is you're pointing, oh, yes. you kind of got one hand, almost like in a fist and your pointer finger from your other hand and tapping or pushing on the knuckle. Okay. Yes. So it could be like the pinky knuckle. Or it could be like the first knuckle. And, and so that's the, that's a, a another Another way that when we talk about install, it that creates a different internal experience. It helps to regulate a, a negative emotion in our kids. And Super we can do cool. it. And I love that too. physical. It's like almost grounding, right? It is. Yeah. It is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey there, parents. Thanks for listening to the No Problem Parenting Podcast. Are you ready to become the confident leader your kids crave you to be? Are you losing your crap on your kids, yelling, giving in, and exhausted at the end of every day? You can start building confidence in your parenting immediately, whether your child is a toddler or all grown up and still living in your house. Don't make this parenting gig harder than it needs to be. Become a no problem parent today. So now let's talk about hypnosis. Well, so I'll I'll, I'll just talk quickly about what it is. It's basically, you know, here's the thing. It's not that comp- it's not as complicated as people think. People think, oh, hypnosis is very mysterious. All it is is a focused state of attention. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's what, what I learned. Is. Yeah. It's just a focused state of attention. And and we call that focused state of attention trance. And so we've all been in a trance. If you've ever meditated, you've been in a trance. If you've ever been driving down the street and in deep thought. 
you've been in a trance. Daydreaming. Yeah, daydreaming is a trance. Runners, when they get in the zone, I like to call it in a zone. If you've ever been in a zone for anything, whether it's running or whether it's you're working and you're in a zone, it's a type of trance. So what hypnotherapists do is we facilitate trance because it opens up suggestibility. And what happens is for the people I work with, we come up with, they have a problem. They have a a desired outcome. And we create what are the suggestions that help them to release whatever blocks they want to release and um, to directionalize their thinking, directionalize their belief during this process of focused attention and open suggestibility. Now, what I'll say about this is this is why it's important because we are all suggestible and because we all experience trance, including our children. It's why it's important for us to watch what our kids are listening to and what our kids are Mm -hmm. watching and listen, because when our kids are watching TV and they're so into it and they're like, just just staring at the, staring at the screen, guess what? They're in trance. And that means they are suggestible. So parents, please watch whatever your kids are watching. Please be aware of that. Watch it with them at least one or two times. You can see what it is that's going into their little minds They're watching YouTube, be mindful and be aware of what they're watching on YouTube, especially with these algorithms leading them down rabbit holes. Mm -hmm. That is a very important thing I like to, to remind parents of. That's a very good reminder. And I love the way that you're defining trans too, because there is a vulnerability to that. So I love how you point that out. Um, It makes perfect sense. And then the, the last topic that I know, of course, we're going to direct people to your website for all of uh, more information on all of these but is the timeline therapy. So describe what that is. Sure. So timeline therapy evolves out of neuro-linguistic programming. It is technically a neuro-linguistic programming process, and it is more of a deep work process, similar to hypnosis. I mean, hypnosis is like what we do when we're wanting to go deep and, and do a little bit more deep work, but it's a process of negative emotion release. So we do emotional release and we do deep belief release. And so what I mean by that is like, you know, we're walking around in life and we're we re- reacting to the things in our life. And we think that we're reacting to the thing itself. And oftentimes we're reacting to something in the past that has activated us. And, and so sometimes our negative emotion reactions can be bigger than you know, they need, they need to be mm-hmm. <laughs> and bigger than even we expect them. I like, was just wow. going to say, sometimes we surprise ourselves too. Like, whoa, where did that reaction come exactly. from? Exactly. And it typically comes from the past. Mm-hmm. And so what we do, what I typically do in timeline therapy is to help to release old anger, sadness, fear, hurt, guilt, shame that can end and old beliefs that can come up when parenting or when interacting with your spouse, it's the people that that are closest to us sometimes that activate these responses the most. Right. And man, have I learned how our children, they know all of the buttons to push. Yep, for sure. Right. They come born out of us. So they, of course yeah. they know. Yeah. And so this is to deactivate some of those buttons. A lot of those buttons are really traumas from the past. Mm-hmm. Or it can be birth. Things. From birth. Yeah. Can, from birth. Right? We don't even realize the trauma of childbirth from the child's point of view. Right. It, and, and when I work with people 
And I do the timeline therapy, emotional release. And I ask, you know, if you were to know, was it before, during, or after birth? Because in certain cultures Mm -hmm. that there's generational trauma passed Mm -hmm. down, right? Ancestral trauma. And we recognize that. And so some people will say during birth. Some people will say in the womb, because Mm -hmm. we do know that trauma can happen in the womb. If you have a parent who has had something traumatic happen to them, maybe they were in an accident, or maybe it was, maybe it was familial abuse, maybe it was whatever it was. Right. And so we understand. And then sometimes the traumatic belief or the traumatic trauma gets passed down from the parent. And we might not even realize the kind of trauma that they are dealing with, even if they come from our very bellies. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And another thing I wanted, we were talking before about, you know, how the kids know how to push our buttons and, and or our spouses or family Mm -hmm. members, even Mm -hmm. as adults, right, know how to do that. A big part of that, and I teach parents this all the time, is that kids feel safer with us. So while it doesn't always feel like, oh, lucky me. (laughs) I consider if your child is acting out to you, and you're getting the worst of the behaviors, the child most likely does feel safe, safer with you to yes. not keep those things from you. So how we as parents respond to those yes. behaviors is really key in our connection and our relationship with the child. And if we can take the emotion, it can't take all the emotion out of it because, you know, they're our kids and they tug our yeah. heartstrings. But as much if we don't join in on their emotion at mm-hmm. that time. And we can see it as the adult and the confident leader of our kids. Mm-hmm. Like it can be a big game changer. Yeah. And I also love Dr. Maisha that you said 7% of our communication is verbal. Yes. So yes. here's the deal. When you have a little who's been through some sort of trauma and you may not really know what that is. Mm-hmm. I deal with this a lot with um, families who have adopted their kids. They don't know, but even birth families, you don't always know you weren't there. Some rejection they experienced or some mm-hmm. fear they had or whatever. And yeah. you just don't know. Right. And then as they get to three, four and five years old, they're verbal, but they don't have verbal memory. If the trauma happened yeah. before five. And the other pieces, even when they do, when they are verbal, they may not have the language. Yes. Good point. Right. So then they're going to non-verbally communicate. And so coming back to your point around the button pushing, I love this point of like understanding that they feel safe with us. And so it's so important as parents for us to examine when those buttons feel pushed. And Mm -hmm. that's where we have to do the work Mm -hmm. to look at what is the trauma that's attached to those buttons. Yep. Because when we can, when we can begin to deactivate those buttons, the the emotional release, the belief that comes up when you have to tell your kid, this is one for me. I often try to make sure that I'm parenting from the space of, okay, where's my child development developmentally? Because mm-hmm. he's getting to the age where he's like meh, 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 popping off a little bit at the mouth. Yeah. And, and I grew up, I'm an ex gen. So I grew up in a household where that was not, not accepted. <laughs> not allowed. And I'm growing up also as a conscious parent who understands that there's a, a developmental stage, but they're really grasping for their autonomy. Yeah. And so I have to reconcile that. And oftentimes it brings up stuff. So for me, you know, like the deactivating of the button of 
I'm being disrespected. And that doesn't come from him. That comes from the past. Right. And I had to do some real work on that. Now there is the conversation. There's the boundary conversation of when there's certain tones, like, okay, that is not a tone that's acceptable. That feels disrespectful, right? Mm -hmm. It's okay for me to communicate that with him. Like, okay. And then out in the world, especially as a black mom raising a black son, there's mm-hmm. a whole other level of conversation we have to have. Absolutely. Like when you go out into the world, you cannot absolutely speak this way to people randomly. Ugh. Like that doesn't work, you know? And so there's, there's a nuance. Breaks my heart that that has to be. It's a nuance it's though. A, mm-hmm. And so we have to do our own work to be able to distinguish. And it does. And like you said, it doesn't mean we're not going to have emotion. It doesn't mean I'm not going to get angry. Right. When I feel it, I mean, like I'm aware of my somatic, you know, intelligence mm-hmm. and I feel what's happening, I can say, okay, I'm getting close. You know what happens. All right. I'm about to go off to my room. I'm going to suggest right. that you do not knock on my door for five minutes. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let me give you a little heads up that I highly recommend. Yeah. Right. Heads up. <laughs> you give me some space right now because exactly. I'm <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, and I think too, with that, the, the whole, you know, when parents come to me, I, I just cannot tolerate disrespect. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, good for you. I say, (laughs) because guess what your child, the more you dig in your heels on that. And if you're Mm -hmm. coming off with that, again, part of communication is the tone in which you're responding. It's not just the words, it's the tone, the lilt in your voice, the firmness Mm -hmm. in your voice, and there's room for all of it, but it's like, uh, if you are going to stand firm hands on your hips and or pointing your finger and you will not disrespect me, I can guarantee you probably at least 99% of the time, if you've got a strong willed, independent, yes. um, comfortable in their own skin kind of kid, they're going to 99% of the time disrespect you, even if they didn't really intend to, <laughs> you know, previously, <laughs> they just will to, again, they're, they're searching for their own autonomy and their, where they rank and, you know, mm-hmm. all of that. So, um, so instead take that emotion out of it, have a conversation about what respect means. Yes. I What it looks I like, it. right. What it looks like. Yes. Yes. And when you feel disrespected, what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. And then I love what you said, like reframing the child's behavior. Basically, it's not the, it's not necessarily the child is intending to disrespect you. It's that, you know, when they get like one thing I can say about my son is that he will know how to set boundaries. Yeah, for sure. And that is so, such a great thing. Yeah. Because you know, he sure does know how to say, I don't want to and no. And, yep. <laughs> you know, and how about he, yep. he's a great negotiator. Oh, yeah. such a good negotiator. Yeah, it's awesome. So, yeah. So like to reframe those behaviors, another thing that neurolinguistic programming sort of teaches us is like how to reframe things in our mind so that we see our children's behavior differently. I love that. This It just goes together so nicely with no problem parenting and the things that I'm teaching. And so I'm super happy to be connected with you. I'm doing episodes currently on Thursdays to get through my freebie, the 60 responses mm-hmm. um, that uh, 60 ways to respond to your kids without losing your cool. And Ooh. I mean, we've given some examples in here already, not the responses themselves, but situations when your kid is being, you know, disrespectful or whatever. So parents uh, feel free to listen to the Thursday episodes on that. But before we go today, Dr. Maisha, I want to make sure people know a couple of things. You have 
a book. Yes. So I have one book called uh, The Wellness Blueprint. It doesn't have much to do with, with the with the parenting and the neurolinguistic programming. It was my book that I wrote a long time ago. It actually does incorporate some mind-body practices, some wellness practices for parents. Okay. Um, I do work in the in the equity um, and anti-racism uh, arena. And so I co-authored a book called Conscious Anti-Racism. So it's it's for parents who are wanting to really teach their children differently about how to move in the world, especially if you're uh, a parent who is has historically been in a position of power and privilege. It's meant to educate people on the culture that the the oppressive culture that we've been brought up in, like fish and water, and how to begin to dismantle that thinking in ourselves, and then how to be able to teach your kids differently. I mean, it's not specifically about that, but once you get that, then you'll yeah, get, man. oh, I got to have you back on the podcast and we got to talk specifically about that topic and then, um, and the book too, maybe you and your co-author would be able to join me for another episode. I would, I would love that because I think we don't know what we don't know. And then also Dr. Mangisha, I mean, seriously, people, you can go to her website, mindremappingacademy.com. You have a ton of stuff on here, so we're not going to get to all of it, but you do offer certification training for NLP. And you do that a couple of times a year and your next one's coming up in January, right? Correct. Correct. Okay. So if you think you want to learn the tools of neurolinguistic programming, whether you want to learn them for yourself or you feel like, oh, this is something that, you know, maybe you're in a field already that is a helping field and so you can learn it for yourself and learn it for your field. Um, you can, you can go to the website and, and suss that out. And I just want to reiterate parents that, you can learn for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I think a lot of times people think it's only for professionals or for people who are in the field, but they can definitely learn NLP for themselves and their family. Yes. Yes, right? absolutely. You can learn it for yourself. And it's so valuable. I mean, the people that I train who are doing it for prep for profession, they get more value for themselves and their kids and their families right? They go away. That's what they go away raving about. Yes, they go and they're going to use it in their professional leadership or practices or whatever they're doing. But what makes the difference is they're like, oh my God, I've been communicating with my kid this way. I've been communicating with my spouse this way. I have a new way now to interact Mm -hmm. with my family and for myself. It's just so cool. And you don't have to be a therapist or a doctor or a practitioner to do it. You can be a mom or a dad. That's right. And get that information. I absolutely (laughs) love it. Okay. So let's finish up then with your podcast because I, of course, love podcasts and I follow very many of them. And you share a lot of really good tips in and tools and resources in your podcast and a lot more all about NLP, time mapping, all of that. So tell us about your podcast. It is the Black Mind Garden podcast. And Jackie just, uh, notified me. I'm like excited to share this the first time I'm sharing it, that my podcast is globally ranked in the top 10%. So yes, you um, are. I love, I love sharing that with people. I always check that out on listennotes.com. Anybody that has a podcast or you're looking at other people's podcasts, you can check the ranking at listennotes.com. They're not a sponsor. I'm just, I, I get excited to share that stuff. I appreciate that. Yeah. So the Black Mind Guard, it's on your all of your podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, all the all the all the ones. And uh and you or you could just go to theblackmindgarden.com. 
It's excellent. Awesome. You have like almost 200 episodes in there. So just so much great information. Everything can be found at mindremappingacademy.com. Well, I am looking forward to talking with you again, Dr. Maisha. You can be a regular on the show as far as I'm concerned. Uh, A lot, a lot of information. So thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you so much, Jackie. I had such a fantastic time and I, I, we would love, I, I can already speak for Jill, even though I don't, I try not to speak for too much, but I know she would love, love, love to come on. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. We'll see you again real soon. All right, parents, that's it for today. Make sure you head over to the website, noproblemparents.com. Sign up to get our emails. We're going to be giving away tips, tools, techniques, and resources, updates on podcast episodes, roundtable events, and more. Check out noproblemparents.com. For now, hugs and high fives. You got this.